0: Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. And welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. And this is podcast number 71. And me and Peter are getting ready here. (laughs) Because that's what we do, man. We <laughs> try to get ready for these things. Yeah. And uh, getting our sound stuff all worked out. But we are going to talk about the importance of small groups or meetings. Hmm. We've never really hit that topic. And uh, it's an important one. Me and you still do go to groups, if we you do. can believe it.
1: We do. And they're awesome.
0: Yeah. we. Um <clears throat> there's... I think something really cool that I was reading in the 12 and 12 the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it said, uh, Self-righteousness, the very thing that we had contemptuously condemned in others was our own besetting evil. Mm -hmm. And self-righteousness is one of those things i think that prevents us as human beings to getting into a small group uh we usually look at them and we have excuses you know of like man that groups i've tried it before or you know uh i don't i don't want to tell people my problems or you know there's so many things but uh but underneath it all everything that we're saying you know about them being negative is probably a whole lot of self righteous attitude yeah you know and um so it's really good for us to kind of think through the topic and go hey why what is the biblical um kind of reasoning to get involved in a small group um do leadership actually partake in small groups mm. Um, that's a challenging thing for pastors, right? Do yeah. pastors participate in small groups? Um, or, or do they just teach the Bible from the pulpit? Mm. Um, or from their, their high school ministry, or their college ministry? Do they ever have a small group environment? Uh, what are some of the amazing benefits that we get from a small group? So we'll kind of touch on some of those, those things. They're great. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right, man. I've had a good week. Struggled a lot with... Uh Frustration and anger this week. Yeah, just being bitter uh, for for no reason, you know.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and sometimes that's like that. Yeah. Um, so there's some days that you know me and you have always admitted that there's some days we we would love to just indulge, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, even in porn, you know, it's like it's funny. It's like you know, it's not that you you sit there as a Christian and go, man, like you know, um, I love porn, like in the sense of you want to do it, but there is that. That Romans 7 that I, I relate to so much where in Romans 7 it says the things that you desire to do or you want to do those are, you find that there's those are things that you don't do that you do see this there's something warring in you and um, and if you're honest at all in your life I think all of us can can relate to those things that there's always those inner things happening yeah um, and um, and so You know, for some reason, pornography certainly has 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 something about it Mm -hmm. that uh, that, you know, kind of makes me go, yeah, you know, I I, want to indulge for 10 hours, you know, and just sit there and lamp out. (laughs) I, I guess it I guess it would I guess someone could relate to it if they were. You know, I- if they drank, or you know, they're a, they're a gym addict. You know, kind of I hate to word use the word addict, but yeah. <laughs> someone who's hitting the gym all the time. You yeah. know, and they're just like, I need to get there, and yeah. you know, they kind of they kind of check out. Yeah. You know, and and so um, you know, that's that's kind of my thing. I'm always working on is making sure I'm not getting into that mind frame, trying to take every thought captive. Mm. You know, to the obedience of Christ and. Learning to pick up my cross and follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that's such a, um, a, a big passage, right? Denying myself and, and following Christ. Yeah. You know, so, hey, man, what's your thoughts on small groups? I mean, <clears throat> Running Light has groups. We have a women's group and we have a wives group. We have a men's group. And we make uh, uh, we let people know on our website of other groups like ours that are in the Tucson area. Mm. Um, but what what do you what do you like about uh, you know the group that you're a part of?
1: Uh, I I love the group I'm a part of. I've been a part of it now since I got out of the military, so that would have been six years ago. Been a part of the the Tuesday night group, and uh, I remember um, you were the first person I ever confessed to and i did it while i was on leave after my second deployment i hung out with you and i confessed to you and we chatted and that's when i got plugged into setting captives free and i remember when i was coming back you told me you're like hey you're coming back you should go to this group and i was like uh <laughs> i don't know man like that seems a little weird you know is, is can't i just like talk to you and and i had this because uh, i was like man i haven't you know i haven't viewed porn and you know, like uh, six months, you know, I, I don't really know if I, I, I really need a group and all those dudes are old and I don't know. And I, I had all these excuses and justification. And I remember you just kept encouraging me to go. And, and so I, I showed up and it was such a beautiful time. It was such an incredible time. And I'll, I'll just share a little about like why it was so precious to me um, in those moments. But um, what I would first like to share about is like why I was so opposed to it, you know, and and like you said, we have in ourselves these deep insidious sinful motivations, but we cover over them with righteous sounding excuses, you know? So I, at the root, what was my real issues of why I didn't want to go? It was embarrassment, right? I didn't want to go someplace and admit something to other people. I didn't want that part of my life to be exposed. Um, I didn't want to um, have the uncomfortability of sitting in a room with men and having them pray over me because that makes me feel weak. I like to feel like I'm in control of my own life and in control of my own problems. Right? These are these are the underlying issues of why I didn't want to go. But I would come up with like righteous sounding excuses of like, oh well, you know, uh, you know I, I'm I'm sure that's that's good for other people, but you know I've I, I've been doing well. I don't really know if I need that or you know it's it's not really for me or that seems a little weird, you know and I and, and so I project my insecurities on the group like the group's the problem and I and therefore I don't have to go. But when I went there, what I what I immediately saw that was so precious and uh, beautiful, which I still see every time I go, was number one, I saw a group of men who were willing to admit what their issues were, and I'd never seen that in the church, you know never seen that in the church um, and that's why when I went to church, I always felt like such crap. you know when I went to church, I thought I'm the only dude here who just can't get his act together, you know, like everyone else is doing great, and I'm the only one here who just just can't figure it out.
0: I wonder how many people who listen to this go man uh, yeah mm. you know man yeah and it all stems from you know like <laughs> you're saying you're, you're not in a group yeah you know so you don't get that intimacy that's right so even if you even if you're going to like a home fellowship not that a home fellowship's bad yeah because that's not what i'm saying but even if you're going to a home fellowship that usually is revolving around a bible study <clears throat> usually you don't have <clears throat> like a confession time mm. you know so So, you know, sometimes small groups can be just a miniature version of the church Mm. uh, on a Sunday where you go to it. You know, hey, how's it going, Fred? I'm going good. You know, Mm. great. And then you listen to a teacher or you watch a video and then maybe you discuss the topic because you're in a small group. Um, But it's revolving around doctrine, Mm. around theology. Um, and that's great. You need to build up your knowledge of, of doctrine and theology. But then if you leave after that, then then you're not going to be able to get what you're talking about. You're not going to be able to get that idea that, hey, I'm not alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's someone else. There's Fred who also struggles with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or there's Bob who's, who's doing something a lot more crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I could learn. You know, and that was... That was another huge thing that I got from those groups was because there were so many men who were older than me um, they had so much wisdom where it was easy for me you know especially because I'm just naturally very narcissistic in my own heart it was easy for me to, to look at these these older men and be like well you know they've screwed up you know they have nothing they could offer me with with their life stories you know Uh, But that's not that's not true, you know, because even though these guys had made mistakes That doesn't mean that they hadn't done things right and even in their mistakes It doesn't mean that there couldn't be wisdom in their mistakes So when I went there hearing these older Saints talk about their walks with God and giving me godly advice For my own walk with the Lord and my own relationships with others. It really Humbled me and it really lifted me up in my in my knowledge and understanding of God And it helped me to love others and it helped me love God even better. Yeah, right. so <clears throat> So for a lot of us in the church,
0: we've never really lived in a culture of confession mm. um, So ask yourselves the listeners a question ask yourselves. Do you confess regularly? Mm. and and you know not just to God but to another individual yeah. and I think the average church goer, I would have to say, is the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I would even go a little further to, to say that a lot of leadership, I don't know if many leaders have someone that they really confess to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because I certainly, for the first 12 years of my pastorate, um, never even thought about it. And, and, and I know that sounds kind of weird, but I never even thought about confessing to someone. Yeah. Um, I never saw it exemplified. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one ever in any of my pastoral leadership ever told me like, hey, you should have a, a you should be confessing regularly your sins. You're going to struggle with sins. Sins will, you know, uh, uh, beset you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I, I never heard any of that. I, I just kind of heard oh stay in the word be in the word you know it, it was more that kind of thing never really this application mm-hmm. of of a confessed culture
1: right and, and speaking of culture I I read this just a couple years ago and it blew me away because it's in the Old Testament and it's in Leviticus and so God in Leviticus he's trying to build his nation right he's trying to say this is the kind of nation I want And in in this Levitical law, in this law of how people should act in their culture, there's this thing called a trespass offering. So it's what you're supposed to offer if you mess up, if you you violate the law of God. And in verse 4, this is chapter 5, verse 4, it says this, If a person swears speaking thoughtlessly with his lips and do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man may produce pronounced by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. So this is someone who said either to God or to another person, made a promise or a vow, which we do every day, right? As a husband, I've made vows to my to my wife. You make vows to your friends. You know, there's just things that are assumed. Like with my wife, it's just assumed that I'm going to be faithful to her. With God, it's assumed that I'm not going to be committing these particular sins. But um, we all break them. And he says, what should you do when you break these things? Verse 5, and it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed. A female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. Now, this is such a cool picture because that means that there's a particular sacrifice that you had to bring to the temple and the temple's out in the open. Right. Everyone's seeing you bring this particular female goat or female, you know, little lamb. And so they know what what's up. You know, they automatically know Peter's here because he blew it, you know. And and that's yeah.
0: what I that's what I never quite understood of why people were afraid to confess because of the way the Torah, um, how God built everything around this tabernacle mm. that that was burning animal <laughs> sacrifices all the time. All
1: signifying, we've blown it. we blown <laughs> you know, it. are terrible. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, every
0: day you woke up smelling burning flesh, yeah. and which always reminded you that you were a sinner.
1: That everyone around you is a sinner, that, that the nation has blown it. And yeah. the priests had to do this sacrifice too. In fact, before the major feasts the priest would always have to bring a trespass offering for himself. For yeah. So it was always assumed that you're going <laughs> to you're gonna need more atonement on the day you do it. Yeah. It's not like God says, if you've messed up, be sure to bring one of these. Yeah. It's in the law. It's like, you will bring one of these. And so imagine this picture. The, even the high priest, even the most holy dude in the nation, every year would have to go up. He would have to bring one of these offerings, lay his hands on it, and say, This is why this animal is dying because I've done dot 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 and then he would slit its throat the blood would pour out and people would see this guy Is just like all of us like we're all a mess in our walks with God Mm. And that's the kind of culture that God wanted to have in his nation He didn't want people to be self-righteous and
0: that's why I think you know that just going a little bit over the Levitical passage there and the way Israel set up things Uh, when it comes to that kind of openness of confession helps us understand a little more the idea of 1 John 1 9 which is quoted a lot in the New Testament Mm. but let's just read it again in the light of what we've just talked about Mm. if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness Mm. so really what the passage really 1 John's driving is that Jesus is the substitute mm-hmm. You know for the animal sacrifices of those Old Testament sacrifices mm-hmm. We can just come to Jesus so when we sin we can come to him and, and Go hey Lord I've blown it, mm-hmm. you know I've sinned and that's why I've always said for for those that struggle with sexual things or if you want to get if you don't want to do pornography you know, the best thing to do is when you're viewing porn, talk to God. Mm. And, I mean, you know, I know that sounds crazy to many people, but why not? Yeah. I mean, he already <laughs> knows. I mean, God knows all things, right? He's omniscient. He's He's all powerful. These are the things that we hold so dear yeah. in, in the Christian life. Mm. Um, so why not just talk to him and say, God, there's something I love about this. Yeah. You know, help me in this, you know. And I know that for some people that's like so blasphemy, it's like, Mm. you know, but, you know, but, but we have to be able to come to the, to Christ and, and, and be honest with him. And so, so maybe that passage, when you read it like that, kind of has you know, some people go, well, why do we have to confess our sins nowadays if Jesus already died for us?
1: Yeah. But I think the Old Testament gives us the pattern right It does and and also think about it this way you who who are parents How does the Lord's Prayer begin our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name? And then there's confession in the middle of the prayer forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us And when you think about it as a parent It's like would you look at your kid and be like hey son? You never have to tell me about any of the stuff that's going on in your life because I'm your I'm your father you know, yeah, I'm I gonna love forgive you. you. I'm going to forgive you. So you don't even have to talk to me about it. Like, would you really say that to your kid? It's like, no, you want honest communication with your child. And it's a lot of time as a parent, you know, I as a kid, I don't have kids of my own. But I know from my perspective as a child, I used to think I was getting away with a lot of stuff that my parents already knew. You know, I thought it was pretty tricky. I thought I was getting away with stuff. But, you know, looking back on it, it's like my parents weren't dumb. You know, they knew I was doing stuff but they wanted me to come to them and talk to about to them about it because that showed trust, right? It's one thing for my dad to call me out on something. It's another thing for me to come to my dad and be like, Dad, you know, I did this. You know, I, I, I did this. You told me not to. I did it anyway. And what that does is it builds unity between me and my father, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, you could just say, well, I'm already forgiven as a Christian. You are, but that's not the point, right? We're not doing this to gain a standing with God. We're doing this to build right the, to relationship. Build the relationship.
0: That's right. That's right So but you make a great point and that is going to the group um, it, it it is like what God established in the Old Testament in that There's no pretense right everybody is bringing their offering to the Lord mm-hmm. and You know, it, it's amazing. Sometimes people don't like groups because they go, oh, well, you know, it's just people confessing their sins all the time, and I don't want to hear that. And that kind of burdens me. It's like, you know, because, you know, I was reading John 17, and and I'm just going over these passages. Sometimes I'll stay in a chapter for like a month, you know, and I'll just read that chapter every day for like a month and Mm. just kind of soak it in and just really grab that chapter. Mm. But Jesus says something really cool. He says, um... And if he sins, a brother sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day, he returns (laughs) to you saying, I repent. So that's all he's saying is I repent. Yeah. Then you shall forgive him. Right. And so it burdens me when someone says, well, I don't want to be a part of a group because I just don't want to hear other people repent all the time, you know, confess and and turn, you know. And 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 it's so sad because the angels in heaven, it says, are rejoicing.
1: Yeah, they love to hear it.
0: They <laughs> love to hear it. So it's kind of a bummer that we would be. Uh, again, I think it's 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 that the reason why I brought up that twelve-step uh, um, quote is there's that self-righteousness in us that just mm-hmm. goes, you know, it's it's that ego self-righteousness. It's oh, it's going to come up with any excuse, mm-hmm. you know, not to walk humbly and walk to. Uh, walk honestly. You know, it's going to just do everything. Yeah. And and it, doesn't wanna, it doesn't want to it doesn't want to say hey, I f- I have fallen. Hmm. You know, I I watched porn again. I, you know, masturbated again. Hmm. It it doesn't want to go that route. Hmm. Yet that's the route it needs to go um for grace to to flow. Yeah. I hate to rhyme. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's so true. No, you're right. And and that's why I love the 12th step, mm-hmm. which is to commit yourself to help others in recovery. Yeah. You know, because I, I know that the, uh, you know, the, the, the founders of the big book and 12 step program in AA, they understood something. Our primary issue is selfishness. And if you sit in your own and you're just like, I'm going to focus on my walk with God. And it's all about my walk with God. And it's all about my relationship with God. Then you're going to be stagnant because you're just thinking about you. It's only it was saying Galatians 6 bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That yeah. there should be a desire in me to hear the problems of other people and to pray for them yeah. and to encourage them, but I don't want to. Why? Because I'm selfish, you know.
0: It's right. It's cuz why why do I want to bear that burden? Yeah. You know, I got enough burdens of my own, <laughs> you know. And and what we don't understand is that through taking on the burdens of other people in in the proper way, bringing those burdens before the Lord. That's what we do. We'll, when we hear other people's burdens, we don't try to fix everybody, but we certainly want to bring those things to our prayer life, to our pla- prayer closet mm. and bring those people before God. Yeah. And, and it's through that that we get out of our own mess, that we get out of our own heads mm. and we start acting like Jesus and we start thinking of other people. Yeah. And we start finding the joy in helping out other people. Yeah. And then we find this wonderful accompanying grace that is tagging along behind us as yeah. we are getting out of ourselves that is moving us to and changing us. It seems so automatically, hmm. like effortlessly at times. Yeah. Where we don't even know it's happening. Um, just through that willingness to to bear another person's burden Mm. you know so something that you can't do if you don't draw close to people um in a uh in a consistent way Mm. um which a group can provide and that's
1: yeah that's it's awesome you know and that you know you said it right because that's one of the things i get out of the group where i know that um, if I didn't have a group like that, my willingness to hear the problems of others and to care about them and to pray for them uh, would diminish. You know, the the group gets me to the place where I, I I need to do that. You know, I need to go there. I need to hear from other people and pray for them and to understand. And that helps me also with my compassion for others because um, if if I don't have a lot of compassion for myself, meaning I well I don't want to confess that because it's a repetitive thing, and I don't want to hear someone repetitively confess to me well then your expectation of other people is that they won't repetitively sin against you and that's a false expectation because it doesn't matter what relationship you have whether it's with your parents or whether it's with a friend or whether it's with if you get close to somebody you're gonna realize that they they're gonna mess up repetitively and so are you and if you have this expectation of just like no like if you blow it, I'll forgive you, you know, like, like, like the disciples were arguing about with Jesus. Like, no, I'll, I'll, you know, up to seven times maybe? And Jesus is like, no, dude, like you got to, if, if he comes to se- seven times in one day, you keep forgiving them, right? That's, that's the picture there. That's the expectation that people are going to blow it repetitively, sometimes in the same exact way. If you don't have that expectation already lined up for yourself, then you're going to start getting very, very frustrated with people. You're going to have a short fuse. Um, That's why again. It's it's built into the Lord's Prayer that forgiveness confession and forgiveness before God is a daily thing you should be doing every time you go into prayer and Confession and forgiveness for others should be a daily part of your prayer. Yeah, and
0: and what Jesus is talking about when he's saying forgive someone if they repent seven times is, I know some of you go well hey what if I'm what if I'm enabling mm. you know but what what Jesus is getting at is that the heart uh, that you should have when someone comes to you yeah. is a heart of is a forgiving heart yeah that's what he's stressing in that section yeah is your heart needs to be a forgiving heart yeah um so he's not he's not getting into a breakdown of where this person's at who's sinning seven times in a day, right, but he's 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 using that hyperbolic Language the extreme language of seven times or or seven times seven mm-hmm. You know or just an infinite amount of times of saying I repent as Saying your heart needs to be open to that kind of forgiveness Yeah, it needs to be ready for that kind of forgiveness because that's what he's done. Yeah, that's what Jesus has done is his his heart was open to an infinite amount of forgiveness Mm. on an infinite amount of sin yeah and and so he is asking us as his children to do the same which is beautiful Mm. I mean you read that I mean you think of it that way and you go wow gosh
1: I I have a long way to go (laughs) yeah no and and For me and this reflected so negatively in the group helped me get over this Um, It reflected so negatively in me because I didn't understand forgiveness and I realized that in my Relationship with God the way I was having a relationship with God was through actions meaning I thought I had a relationship with God When I was doing good and then when I was doing bad, I didn't want to be around God That's why even what you were saying earlier of confessing to God while you're falling that was so foreign to me because I was like, no way. you know. I After I fell, I wouldn't talk to God for usually like two or three days. And then I would come and be like, God, you know, and I would just kind of blow over it and not talk about it. And what I realized is the reason why I did that is because I didn't understand forgiveness. I thought my relationship with God was predicated on faithfulness when reality is predicated on God's faithfulness, that he loves and forgives people who don't deserve it. You know, to put it another way, C.S. Lewis um, in his book, Weight of Glory, he wrote an essay on forgiveness that really changed my life when I read it. Because uh, he says there's all the difference in the world between excusing and forgiving. He says excusing is saying that, hey, you know, what you did didn't matter. You know, it, it's not a big deal. It's just, it, it's like it never happened. Forgiving is acknowledging what you did is inexcusable, but there's forgiveness for it because of what Jesus has done. You know, that, that's why Ephesians 4.32 makes sense. It says, forgive one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you, right? God didn't just forgive sin. If God could just forgive sin, then the cross was meaningless, right? There was no reason for it. The reason why the cross was the only way God could forgive you is because the cross was the payment for what you deserve, right? That's the only way that that works. And so if I understand that, then it's like, okay, so me, first of all, confessing my sin to God and receiving forgiveness doesn't mean that God has excused what I did or that it's meaningless but it means that God has paid for what I did and that's what gives me comfort and when I forgive other people I'm not saying hey you know like the enabling thing I excuse, I your, excuse behavior. your behavior it's okay that you keep using me or doing this. that's okay you know just keep doing it right that's not forgiveness that's excusing somebody but looking at them and being like no your behavior is inexcusable you should change but because of what Jesus did for you I can forgive Right. I can I can let go of that debt yeah. of rage that I have towards you.
0: Yeah. And that's really what you're doing. Hey, we want to just thank you for tuning in. Ashley is uh, tuning in right now. <laughs> hey, Ashley. <laughs> um, really cool. I've, I've known that lady for a long time. Very cool. Yeah. Um, our topic today is uh, dealing with small groups and the importance of small groups. Um In in not just recovery, but just in general, Mm -hmm. and how there's so many things that we learn when we're in a small group kind of atmosphere. You know, sometimes we use the term like recovery meeting Mm -hmm. and small groups, which kind of throws us off a little bit, I think, Peter, because the word church just means assembly. Right. And, And when we're meeting with a small group or a meeting, it really is a church. Right. And, and so it's not, it's not something different. Some people tend to think that, oh, I don't want to go to a small group. Mm. You know, that's not, that's not really the church. I go to church, you know, on Sunday, you know, and that's a misunderstanding. Mm. Uh, The small group is still church. Yeah, It's just a smaller church, a smaller assembly. Yeah. So church just equal assembly. And in a big church, what, what is happening, especially in a church like Calvary Chapel, we, uh, we really stress a couple things on Sundays, especially. And that is, you know, the love of the brethren. It's the best gift, the Bible says. So we need to love one another. Mm-hmm. And we need to have the Word of God be the sen- center of everything. So we spend a lot of time. Um, in the word of God mm. and learning the word of God. But in a small group, usually those smaller churches, those meeting places where you really know each other, you get to know each other. You find out that you guys are all believers in Jesus Christ. Mm. Where in, a, in on a Sunday, you can't say that at our fellowship. I, I, I don't know. If people are Christians or if they're not there Hmm. and so we that's why we stress just those simple things of love and the Word of God Hmm. but in a small group you can start really applying the Christian life because you know everybody's Christians there right so now we can start going okay now confession is going to be a part of our life accountability is going to be a, a part of our life and uh, a, a Meeting a small church can really be effective for accountability as well,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah Yeah, I was talking to a man not too long ago um, Who's confessing a sin to me that he's like I want I want to stop it and I said okay Well, how about you get with me, you know like once a week and we'll talk about it? And he's like why why should I do that? I was like well, you know, it, it, it'll help you and he's like well, I'm confessing it now I don't I don't plan on doing it ever again I was like, well, have you planned on stopping before? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, but you fell back into it. And I was like, and this, this is why the repetitive confession is so important because the repetitive confession shows two things. Number one, it shows me when I go to the group that everybody in the group is still working on something. You know, that the Christian life is not something where it's like, oh, I stopped viewing porn, therefore I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm done. You know, I, I, I got all the big sins out of my life. I'm done. You know, no, the, the groups show us that there's always stuff to confess for. Because there's always ways that you're missing the mark with God. There's always ways, unless you want to say that you're perfect. And In that case, yeah, you're right. You don't need confession, right? Jesus didn't need confession because <laughs> there's nothing to confess, you know? And, and if you, that's where you're at, then there's nothing for you to confess. Then you don't need it. And you don't need a small right? <laughs> group. <laughs> then you don't need a small group. But <laughs> if, if there's something in your life that you've messed up in, then you need a small group and a place to confess because it shows that you're always moving forward, right? It's so easy to become stagnant in your Christian walk because you think you've arrived. Um, And that stagnation in the Christian walk will always cause backsliding because as you stagnate Then you'll revert back to the way that you were as you start to cover over those things instead of addressing them Um, And that that was the second point that I made to him I was like the second thing is that if you stop confessing it makes it easier and easier to slide back into the darkness and Keep doing your thing that you've been doing in the shadows because that's what you're used to You know this light is new You've been sitting in the darkness for years, you know yeah. this light is brand new for you
0: and 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 really, what this is called is walking in honesty. Mm. Now think of it this way um, is that a lot of times a marriage is a small group. If you think of it that way your your marriage is like a church. Mm. It's like a small church, and a lot of times people don't cultivate confession and accountability within their marriage hmm. and it's just not there and so a small group sometimes is the first place where people start living the Christian life as far as the things that we're supposed to be doing Christians, I think all know, even the, just the, the average Christian that's coming to church understands that, oh, I should be in the Bible more, you know? Oh, I should be, you know, praying more. I probably should be, you know, I don't know, maybe helping people more, you know? And, and, and they kind of can, can get that, you know, but a, a lot of people don't know the ideas of, you know, the intimacy of accountability, mm. You know and the beauty of humble confessing Mm. um, that is usually void in marriage and and it's because there's great fear right if you go to a wife or a wife goes to a husband and a wife says hey you know I've been tempted to chat with another man online or another woman online you know that's what that woman's into that becomes that can become a huge situation because you might be that that wife might be confessing to a husband that does not have the luke 17 for forgiveness in his heart
1: Mm.
0: he might be self-righteous himself he might be um just full of it you know so when you bring your confession to him and say honey Man, there's something that's going on in my life and I want you to know about it. I've been chatting online. Um I got some friends online through my Facebook or I've been snapchatting someone. Um that's not that I shouldn't be snapchatting these things too, you know? And um I needed to let you know about that, you know? And I know it's I know my I know God it would not does is this is not the plan of God in my life. Mm. And, and I'm sorry, you know, and I need to work on this. You, th- that marriage becomes, sh- is, should be the small group. It should be that beautiful accountability in that place of confession. But if that husband can't see that, mm-hmm. if he doesn't, is it, if his eyes aren't open to the, the beautiful work that's going on in that confession and the crying out for accountability too, that's happening in there, um, then, then really that person, you know, then maybe a small group becomes a place for that wife to go to. Hmm. Um, and most marriages, I, I must say, are not safe. You know, they think they are. Right. Uh, I would say most Christian marriages are under an illusion that they're safe. Um, but I would just ask Christian marriages that if you start really confessing to one another your sins and being open and honest about, you know, real things in your life. Um, you know, how, d- how do you guys respond to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't respond well to confession because of their own ego, right. their own sinful pride. Um, you know, so small group becomes vital because, m- because marriages aren't really a safe place. You know, to really sometimes work out, to work the Christian life. Hmm. So, you know, there's daily things in the Christian life that a lot of people don't know about. And that is the things we're talking about um, that can get cultivated in a small group. Right. 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 Why do you think... Um, I'm, let me ask you. You've been in ministry how long? Uh, like four years. Four years. Like okay. Years? Um, how many... Pastors, do you know go to uh, some kind of small group? Two. Two. Yeah. Okay. So, not including uh, myself. <laughs> what? Not including myself. <laughs> right. Um, have you have you talked to any other pastors that that do go to small groups or recovery pro groups or anything like that or any kind of?
1: No. Never. No. I mean, I know, I know of pastors that teach them, but they're not a part of them. So, I mean, that, and that's another beautiful thing about the group that we have is that, yeah, me and you teach it, but we're a part of it. Yeah. Where, where we very much confess just as much as anyone else. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Which is humbling.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, is it humbling?
1: (laughs) It is, man. Gosh,
0: man. I mean, there's so many times I want to go to the group and I, and, and I go, man, I wish I was, I wish I was better. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's quite humbling because I just go, man, yeah. you know, I'm just like them. You know, I'm just like them. I can't boast in my, that I'm better, hmm. you know. Yeah, and it's not that, it's not that I think we, uh, we don't know what a lot of ministers do. We don't, we don't know exactly what's in their, their day-to-day lives or their weekly lives or, and they might have great marriages where they can cultivate some of those things we're talking about um um but we know i mean i've been around the block a little while 25 years now in ministry um and you know i thank god for the the elders of um a church that i knew that uh were part of groups mm-hmm. and not just not just uh Participants, not just people doing like sharing the word at a group and then leaving, but people that really were using that group as an accountability and as uh, a place to cultivate confession and to to grow in humility, to grow in honesty, uh, to develop Christ-like character. Mm. And and I thank God for those those people. I I think they felt like they were. Junk, I and when I look back on it, I don't think they felt like you know it's not like people went up to them, other ministers. I felt like and went up to them and go, man, I'm so glad you're part of that group and that's awesome. You know, I don't think they were encouraged too much, but they knew they needed to be a part of that small group and and uh, and they shared that with me mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 in weakness and fragileness and and that impacted me and made me think, wow, you know that guy could do that you know that guy could go to that group and admit to being a part of that group mm-hmm. and 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 there's something beautiful that I can see is happening in his life mm-hmm. and um, and and I want that you know yeah I want that there's a, a passage that I wanted to bring up and it's in first Peter chapter 4 verse 11 um, And it's one that says, uh, if I can get there, (laughs) I'm getting there as fast as I can. But it says, um, or in verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it one to another as God's stewards of the manifold grace of God. Hmm. And it says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God or the words of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, in order for me to understand the full glory and dominion of God, it's important that I'm part of groups so that people's gifts and what they're going through and what they're sharing is... is is, is I'm getting the fullness of these things from that are only manifested in other people. So, if, it, it, you know, does that make some sense? Yeah. So if I'm not part of a small group, then I'm kind of pulling, uh, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm kind of voiding, I'm um, 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 pulling myself out of a whole bunch of tools in the toolbox that God wants me to utilize. Yeah. So like you have things that you say that that hit me and I go, man, that's, that's good. I need to, I needed to hear that. And it's not just you. There's other people in the group that say things that the way they say them, um, they're the, 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 the perspective that they're bringing mm. really impacts me. Yeah. And makes me think like, wow, that, that is a lot of faith. Yeah. That guy's got a lot of faith, you know? And, 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 and that gets, that builds me up
1: yeah you know I always think like um, you know because you know what you're talking about in First Peter 4 which is also reflected in Paul's writings in First Corinthians of being one body and using each member having a purpose um, and, and even in Jesus prayer in John 17 that we would be one as him and his father are one and I think through that and it's like before I ever went to a small group I could not honestly say that the most intimate relationships I had were within the church I couldn't say that. Um, my most intimate relationships were outside of the church. And you know, thinking back and reflecting on why that was, um, it's because you cannot truly be intimate with another person unless you are willing to be vulnerable. Because if you're not willing to be vulnerable, then your relationship with someone is predicated on a pretense, like we said earlier, it's predicated on on hypocrisy, a falsehood. Um, It was Marcel Proust who said, we do not love people, we love our ideals of them. Meaning it's natural in the human heart to idealize people, to think that they are better than they really are. Um, And so when you meet people in the church, uh, that's why I said I, I went to the church and I always felt other than, because when I met people, I assumed that their character outside of church was the same thing I was seeing in the church. And I thought, I'm the only hypocrite. I'm the only one who goes home and does something different way that than the way that I act in church and so because of that the only place I really felt accepted was outside the church uh, accepted to be who I was but the issue was is that if the only place where I feel accepted to be who I am is outside the church that means that I'm not growing at all because I'm going to be the same exact person because I have no one that I'm Mm. being honest with that's challenging me to be better right the people who I'm lying to those are the people who are, I feel, judging me, judge, would judge the way I really am, and so I don't feel accepted. So because of that, how could you be a part of a body, right, like the way that the Bible puts it, like Paul puts it, that you are part of, you are members of one body, or as Peter puts it, um, having different roles as the, many, uh, in the multifaceted grace of God, like how could you do that if you don't even feel accepted in there, if you don't even feel like you belong? In that group, it's like there's no way your gifts cannot possibly shine. Because why would you work on your gifts when you feel rejected, and you don't feel like your gifts matter anyway? Because you're just you're just fallen and messed up. So so many Christians don't even exercise their gifts or n- even know what they are because they feel like oh well the people who have gifts are the people who aren't like me, right? So they they come mm, and they that's such a such a deceptive lie right there. It is man. damaging lie. It's a damaging. It's a very. It's damaging to the whole body. Because that means that the body is missing the gifts that God has given you because yeah. you've disqualified yourself. Um, when in reality, it's like no, no, no. Gifts shine through everybody, right? If you have the Holy Spirit, you have gifts.
0: Yeah, I mean, King David had gifts. Right. Judah had gifts. Fantastic. Lot had gifts. Yeah. Um, many. I mean, all these people had gifts. Even Samson.
1: Come on, guys, even Samson, <laughs> right? <laughs> Samson had spectacular and gifts, And that man. guy
0: was crazy, yeah. right? And we go, whoa! You Didn't know? always
1: use those gifts in a good way, <laughs> but right. he had great gifts, man. <laughs> I mean,
0: amazing gifts, you know? And you think of one of the greatest gifts anybody could ask for was, was wisdom. Mm. And yet we know, um, you know, take a read at Ecclesiastes, and, mm. and, um, and we see just how even a man with such wisdom of God as uh, Solomon uh, you know certainly you know could have disqualified himself and said you know what I blew it in every way mm-hmm. and as he says that in Ecclesiastes basically I've I've searched for pleasure in every way mm-hmm. and yet it's all vanity it all never paid off mm-hmm. and 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 yet at the end he still says you know the thing that matters is is to obey God To love God and I see that that's even at the end of my life. He said that's That's what it's about. Hmm. You know, that's really what this world's about and Which is great that he didn't just go. Oh, you know what I shouldn't write this book You know, I want to write it But I shouldn't because how can I I mean look at me. I mean I did everything opposite of <laughs> what I wrote in the proverbs <laughs> <laughs> and in the song of solomon yeah i, I did exactly the opposite so <laughs> you, you it's and that's the cool thing about the proverbs right you yeah. can read every <laughs> proverb and just do the antithesis and you're right there with <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right <laughs> you man. know, cause he just train wrecks, yeah. you know, just, uh, in so many ways of his life. You know. <laughs> so you're, so you're, you know, that, so there's a lie that comes into us, right? A deception mm-hmm. that comes into our life, um, you know, through pride, yeah. you know, through many things that are, that are in us that prevent us from making that step to go, Hey, I'm going to be part of a uh, a small church, yeah. you know, uh, a, you know, where I can develop the intimacy mm-hmm. and, you know, me and Peter in our group is always trying to convey to the men that that join us um, because that's what they're doing. It's I mean, I mean, you would be there, you know, we're there. Yeah. Um, but if they want to join us in in the <laughs> Tuesday group, they certainly can. Yeah. And uh, but we try to explain what we do. You know, where on a weekly, uh, sometimes it's twice a week, sometimes it's, you know, as much as we see each other, or, but we, tr- we definitely try to talk a little bit about, you know, where our hearts are at, how we're doing in our life, um, you know, and, and kind of getting down there a little bit, um, you know, uh, not just a little bit, but sometimes a lot. Yeah. And, um, and, but we make that a regular thing. And and it's not just us, but we what we've learned I think over the years is that when you develop Intimacy with people in, in their life. You you tend to go. Hey, you know what? Um, that that's good. There's there's so much good from it that you start opening yourself up to other friends that and you, you start developing more intimate relationships yeah. where really really things become odd now when you don't have intimacy in brotherly uh, relationships mm. within the body of Christ. Yeah. You know, where you become so accustomed to the intimate relationships that it's really odd mm. not to have it. Like for, for me to hang out with pastors um, and not get down into issues of sin and struggle and failings hmm. um, is odd for me. I'm I'm used to that, um, and so it makes me uncomfortable to be around if you're another pastor, hmm. because you know, probably hanging out with me is not the easiest thing. Because it's at some point I'm probably going to talk about stuff, yeah. You know, and I don't want to just hit a you know hit a golf ball around or just talk about basketball or you know those type of things Th- it's, that's great and i'm all for those things and i love golf I, I don't mind playing it and hitting the ball and everything like that but you know you know i want i, I crave that that great intimacy hmm. where we're able to just
1: get in there yeah and it's, it's beautiful man and uh you know uh, i have a friend who you know Went off the rails and he ended up going to jail for seven years for sexually related crimes, but um, he actually used to be the uh, counselor at a hospital for addicts and He wrote a book on this and in his book he talks about how While he was there talking to these people about how to get free from his addictions He always felt like such a hypocrite and a liar because he's like because these things don't work in my life right, so he's he's spouting things to them that he himself is not doing and is not working for him. And so he just felt like, I can't even help this person. So as a minister, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is as a minister, if you're sitting on a lot of hidden sin and you have to get up at the pulpit and you have to talk about how to get out of sin when you yourself don't even know, it's gonna, it's going to grow bitterness towards God. And it's going to grow resentment towards yourself. And it's going to grow hypocrisy where you're not going to be able to say these things in honesty because you yourself aren't living it. You know, you yourself don't know it. So it's going to feel weird. It's going to sound hollow as you say it. And, you know, so there, there's a lot of fear. You know, I, I understand. it. I know Bo does, too, that there's a lot of fear of being honest um, as a minister because there's that, that temptation, that, that lie from the devil that says, like, you need to be an example to people of not failing when Paul said the opposite I want to be an example to people through my failures right I boast in my weaknesses my infirmities right I boast about the stuff that's wrong with me so that you can see the power of Christ in me right if all if all I do is I tell you what you should do and the assumption is that I'm already doing it Christ is not glorified in me because there's no honesty of my depravity so therefore there's no greatness in God's grace and love for me Right. So uh, when we're uh, the fear that that we experience comes from a lie, you know, and and we need to learn how to overcome that lie and how to be an example to the flock and how they should walk as well.
0: Yeah. So we we did do a series on for pastors. That's part of our podcast um, program. So you guys could always check that out online if you're interested pastors, you can you can kind of go over that. Um, I don't know what episodes they were. They were back uh, a year ago, maybe. I
1: think they were. I think we did it before the Pastors Conference yeah. last
0: year. Yeah, maybe, so they, they could check that out. But anyway, we'll end the podcast. It was great talking yeah. about small groups, small churches, and their, and their importance. There's so many things that we could go over. But, man, we hope that people uh, develop more deeper, great, you know, Christ-fruitful, intimate relationships. Um, Running Light is just one small little piece of the puzzle of developing uh, small groups for people to be a part of. But there's so many great ones out there. Um, Find good ones. Uh, You might be at a part of a church that has a small group in a house. That might be just what you need um, to really uh, move forward in uh, some of the struggles that you guys are facing. So thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36, 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. <laughs>